and amen. I want to read two texts for you uh, today. The first one, a very familiar passage of scripture that you've probably heard before. Amen. I want to read it in your hearing for us today. Certainly I have heard it many a times, uh, but certainly never had uh, the inspiration to preach it. Uh, let me say quickly, I'm going to try to preach quick today. Uh, young people are in our midst and certainly uh, it's hot and you're all fanning all over the place. Amen. Uh, so we're going to try to do it as quickly as we possibly can. Job chapter 13. I want to preach uh, from Job chapter 13, verse 13 through 15. Job chapter uh, 13, verse 15, verse 13, 14, and 15. I don't want to read the New International Version because that's the way I'm feeling it, like, like the preachers say today. Listen to the word of God. Keep silent and let me speak. That's a nice way of saying shut up and listen to me. Then let come to me what may. Right? Whatever. But, but let me speak up. Right? You shut up. Let me speak. Job is having a conversation. He said, why do I put myself in jeopardy then and take life in my hands? Though he slay me, yet... Will I hope in God? Though God slay me, yet will I hope in God. I will surely defend my ways to God's face. And then second texts come from the cult of our people. A poem by Langston Hughes. Well, son, I tell you, life for me ain't been no crystal stair. It's had tacks in it and splinters and boards torn up and places with no carpet on the floor bare. But all the time has been a climbing on and reaching landings and turning corners and sometimes going in the dark where there ain't been no light. So boy, don't you turn back. Don't you sit down on the steps because you finds it's kind of hard. Don't you fall now for I still going on, honey. I still climbing and life for me ain't been no crystal stair. Today for the time that's mine, I want to preach from the subject when it's hard to hope. When it's hard to hope. This message is for folks who have tried to do the right things in life. In hope of having your best life. And things did not turn out or have not turned out the way you expected. I'm going to say it to you again. This message is for folks, people. Boys and girls, men and women, who have tried to do the right things in life in hope of having your best life, and things did not or have not turned out the way you expected. And life for you has not been no crystal stair. 
it's been hard. It's been especially hard to hope in God because of the things that you hope to happen that has not happened by now. You thought by now things would have been different. You thought by now you would have been further along in life. By now you would have met your perfect boo and have gotten married, two kids and a white picket fence. By now you thought somebody would have discovered you because of course you are all that and a bag of chips. By now you thought the world would have discovered that you are worth fighting for and the world would have aligned uh, all of their sources, courses, forces and have been a blessing to you. By now you thought you would not have to be uh, dealing with the, the, the little irritations of your life. You thought by now things would have been settled. Come on, got your house, got it paid for, got your credit where you want it. Come on now, by, by now you thought you would have not had to struggle with the stuff that you have been struggling. Uh, and, and the reason why you feel that way is that in your heart of heart, you have done the right things. Come on now, you... You've done the right things. You ain't been perfect, but you've done the right things. And you feel as though by now, having done all the right things, life for you still ain't been no crystal stairway. I want you to know that you're in good company today if you feel like that. Because that's the personality of this man that we meet in in the book of Job. It's not Job, y'all. It's Job. Amen. It, it looks like Job, but, uh, uh, you know, it, it's pronounced Job. Amen. It sounds like, J it, it spells like J-O-B, but it's pronounced like J-O-B-E. It's Job. Amen. And this passage of scripture is a familiar passage of scripture. Uh, Though God slay me, yet will I hope in God. Uh, uh, I will defend my cause, Job says, before God. I mean, that, that's an that's a old passage of scripture. I was telling Brother Otis this, this week, I don't preach out of Job a lot because Job is, uh, you know, Job is problematic on a whole lot of levels. But yet, we got to preach it because it's in the Bible and we got to preach it because it has some valuable lessons for us to learn. Amen. We cannot distance ourselves from people and issues in the Bible that we don't automatically associate with. We have to find commonality with these people and find common themes and common threads so that the, the preaching of the gospel is relevant. In other words, it speaks to you. It makes sense. It helps you when you get ready to get up out of the sanctuary. Though God slay me. Yet I will hope in God. I said that's some hard hoping right there. That's some hard hoping uh, when God is slaying you. And so there's a problematic with this text that I want to address as people, uh, thinking people of faith. And the problematic, Dr. Dickerson, back there is that this notion of 
God slaying people for no obvious reason. Come on. Uh, uh, to slay means to kill. I mean, to slay is to murder. To slay is to slaughter. And is as in how one would do an animal. And whereas God can slay people, I do not believe that God travels the contours of the universe looking for people to slay on a daily basis on something they have done wrong. Come on, I don't, I don't believe that, Jason, that God wakes up in the morning and God starts to traverse uh, uh, just the plateaus of the world and God looks for people who have not done what God has asked them to do or have done things that God has begged them not to do and God picks, you know, takes up a big stick, Melissa, and starts just beating folk and in the end slaying people. I, I don't believe that, but some people do. And when you believe that, it says a lot about how you treat people. Come on, my God. And so whenever something as natural as life, as natural to life as death occurs in the life of an individual, God is seen as the cause of it. You hear me today? When you, when you believe that God is that kind of God, then when something as natural as death is to life, then we begin to uh, uh, blame God for it. We, we see God as the cause of his dust. You hear scriptural passages at funerals. Uh, naked I came into the world and naked I shall return. The Lord give it and the Lord take it away. Praise be the name of our God. And you hear passages like that being used uh, inappropriately at funerals in a feeble and failed attempt to bring comfort to somebody's hurting soul when somebody is hurting and have lost something significant in their life and in their heads they're already thinking that God did this. It is hard for you to hope that you're going to make it beyond that situation when folks start talking crazy in your head. When God is seen as the cosmic manager or the global overseer who is the cause behind every action that takes place in the world, it makes it hard to hope in God for surviving crisis and tragedies as a child of God. Uh, in Job's day, the prevailing notion was that there was a connectedness between what you do and what happens to you. Come on, y'all. That's the theology of Job's day. That is how they thought about God. That bad things happen to you if you did something bad. And that good things happen to you if you did something good. Come on. If your cattle died, it was because you did something wrong. If your cartwheel fell off, it was because of some sin that you had committed in your life. If you transfer that into our day and time if you get a ticket uh, it is because you didn't pray in the morning come on uh, you know folk uh, they kind of you know uh, they had a crazy theologies Jason and when you have crazy theology you look at life in a crazy kind of way absent was insight into a worldview in which nature 
is a killer. Come on, y'all. Nature is a slayer. Nature is a murderer. Nature slays people, places, and things. As beautiful as nature is, nature can be ugly and vicious and downright nefarious at times. Nature can be evil. It ain't God who takes away our loved ones. Sometimes nature takes them. If you're, if you're born, you're going to die. As you're sitting in here today, these young people, as young as they are, they are ever dying right here in their midst. All they got to do is keep on living and you're going to die. It ain't because they do anything in particular that you're going to die. Come on, you got to be careful how you allow people to feed you that kind of bad theology because bad theology won't work for you when bad things happen to you. It is called theodicy uh, in the field of, of theology. You know, theodicy, how does bad things happen to good people? And how do good people, oh my God, experience bad things? And how do people really say that God is good all the time and sometimes God is not good in the midst of your suffering? You don't feel that way, no way. <sighs> but they didn't have that you know if, if you get cancer come on my God it ain't because God gave you cancer come on nature gave you cancer back then when they wrote the Bible they didn't have the understanding of the world as which we have the world today they saw the world as just up and down they didn't even know that it was round come on y'all uh, and so they blamed God for everything come on everything that happened God did it the cattle was good God did it the cattle died God killed the cattle come on but we live in a different kind of world uh, if you pump cigarettes in your body you killing your own body it ain't God gave you uh, throat cancer esophageal cancer no God told you come on godly principles taught you that if you put the foreign stuff in your body that you will die come on that your chances are that, that you will get cancer uh, come on now if you eat and you don't discipline yourself after a while you become overweight and if you're overweight you can get type 2 diabetes diabetes and if you get type 2 diabetes a whole lot of stuff can happen to your life I'm just trying to tell you you can't blame God for everything I'm trying to help somebody today God didn't cause your marriage to end two human beings couldn't get along two human beings two imperfect human beings trying to live out a perfect ideal and they did not have the resources and the know-it-all to work out the problems and it ended in oh my god in a divorce it wasn't god who did it it wasn't god who got you fired and you went to work late every day and wanted to leave early don't blame god for the addiction that your husband your wife is experiencing right now because you prayed and uh, uh they still got addicted anyway you can't you can't come on that's bad theology we gotta clear all this forest before we can get to job's text today I i'm gonna come back at it next week i'm gonna let you go today amen 
But in, in Job's day, they didn't have this insight. They didn't have this kind uh, of information uh, to preach and to teach to their people and their community. Come on. But let me tell you this. When you, when you don't have the right insight into life, you can hold on to the wrong theology. Come on, my God. It makes a difference who teach you the word of God. It makes a difference who preach to you and you need, you need to pay attention. Come on, my God. Uh, 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 people don't realize what they have, that when they have the wrong, look, they don't realize that their theology is bad or their theology is wrong until crisis comes. And when crisis comes, that's when you know really what you believe about God. Come on, my God. It is in times of crisis. It's, it's when it's tough. It's when the doctor says, oh, you got cancer. It, it, it's, it, come on, y'all. It, it's when you can't keep your kids together uh, and you treat them right and you give them everything that you, you think you can possibly give to them and they still go left when you have raised them to do the right kind of thing. I'm, I'm trying to help somebody understand that in this life, you got to have the right theology right beliefs about God come on right understandings about God and that's why you are the mind who teach you the word of God you are the mind who you listen to as a child of God oh you can go to them conservative churches all you want to and you can hear all that talk about fornication and adultery and shacking up and all the gay people going to hell you can go that stuff and try to work out your own own insecurities or your own issues my God but wait until crisis come your way and wait until you are one of the outsiders until you are one of the ones in trouble until you you don't realize what good theology is until you get in bad situations Listen, there's a problem with the theology in Job. And, and we have to correct that problem before we can appreciate wh what the text is saying today. Amen. See, this, this, is, this is one of the, one of the times when you're trying to do right. When you're trying to do right, Shirley, come on. When, when, when your integrity does not match your experience with God, it can throw you into a religious tailspin. Oh, you ought to tweet that one, Josh. When your integrity does not match your experience with God, it can throw you into a religious tailspin. Here again, I make the distinction between integrity and innocence. There isn't one of us up in here who is innocent of everything that we can be charged with. I just want you to know, ain't none of us in here uh, purely innocent. Uh, you might not be fornicating and, and you might not be adulterating and, and you might not be shacking up, uh, uh, you know, for obvious reasons. You're too old now to fornicate. Uh, uh, and ain't nobody want to, you know, amen, but, 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 <laughs> 
when you do the right things and bad things happen to you, that's when you, you, you got to have some integrity about yourself. Come on. Uh, we, 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 we're not innocent, but we can have integrity. Integrity is your willingness to go full circle to make your wrongs right when you have the power to do so. I'm going to say it to you again. Integrity is your willingness to go full circle to make your wrongs right when you have the power to do so. Come on, my God. In other words, I can fix this. In other words, you don't, you don't lie about what you've been caught in. You tell the truth. And, and you say, hey, you know what? I messed up. I screwed up. Oh, my God. I blah, blah, up. I, I, but at the same time, I'm, I'm ready to do the work of going full circle to make my wrongs right. I ain't blaming the other. I'm blaming myself. I'm owning my own culpability in it. I did it and I am going to do the work of fixing it myself that's integrity come on y'all you gotta have integrity you got you gotta be able to say truthfully I do my best every day that I wake up I do my best to make myself more beautiful I do my best come on y'all I, I, I do my best to treat people the way I want to be treated I do my best uh, to put a smile on my face when ain't nothing funny in my life today I do my best to give my best service when my best service has not produced the best results in my life and in my ministry I'm trying to talk about integrity integrity is when you go full circle <sighs> you do the right things come on y'all oh, what happens when you do all the right things and bad things still happen to you what happens when you look around and you see other people doing bad things and having a good life and you doing all the good things and having a hard life that's some hard shiggity right there my god when you look around and you see oh my god you see people oh my god uh, looking like they are prospering and you are suffering and, and you're doing all the right things you go to work on time you treat people respectfully on your job when you date you don't lie you, de you don't deceive folk you tell the truth come on my god you don't try to hide uh, from your addictions you own uh, your addictions you don't have other people colluding with you oh my god you just own your stuff and uh, when you uh, you know, you, you got integrity. You build a prayer life. Oh my God. And, and, and you're watching folk who don't pray at all. Come on, my God. Some, you know, I tell my own truth. Sometimes I look at what it costs, to what it means to have a mega church, you know. And then some of the stuff that people are doing and they got more members. And they're trying to build members to make money. I'm trying to build members to do ministry. And sometimes, oh my God, you look at what they have and what I'm struggling to get and in nothing but integrity come on my god that say i'd rather have a great small church than a mega church without morals and ethics anywhere up in there job says even though he slay me such he got so many lessons here today but listen 
See, such is the case of Job in the scripture. He's a blameless man. And that is an apt description of Job. He's not sinless. He's blameless. Y'all know the difference? Amen. Sinless is the absence of sin. Blameless meaning that Job does what is required by divine law to be in right relationships with God. Job is both religious and spiritual. I, I ain't going to preach all this today, but get, let, let me just make two points and I'm going to let you go. Amen. But Job uh, is a, both a spiritual man and a religious man. Come on, millennials. You hear me? He is both spiritual and he is religious. He prays and he makes sacrifices on behalf of his children. Watch this. Just in case they sinned at their frequent, frequent house parties. Not freaky, but frequent. It might have been freaky too. Uh, Job must have known his children a little freaky because he wake up every morning after they have had a party and he offers sacrifices. Ain't nothing like when you know your own kids. Amen. Oh, but he has a prayer life as well. He is religious in that he goes to church and he offers sacrifices but he's also a man with a personal prayer life he is on speaking terms with God watch this he talks to God as friend with friend to the point where the devil approaches God and says have you considered my my servant Job in other words you say you want to check Job out because Job has such a prayer life come on y'all and sometimes when you got a prayer life like Job had a prayer life it be you become a target for the devil because the devil got to keep the 411 on you when you wake up in the morning. I tell you, if you are a child of God, when you wake up in the morning, oh my God, the kingdom of evil ought to be on a red alert because they don't know what your assignment is for the day. You may just be coming, my God, to tear down something that the devil has built up in your life for a while. Job got a prayer life and he got a church life. He is both spiritual and religious. And guess what? Uh, he's both spiritual and religious and he still catches hell. Come on, my God. I want you to hear me today. But there is something about when you have integrity, there comes that but God moment. There comes that though ye slay me. I preach my own self happy today. It is this man that's being stripped from everything. Uh, he loses everything that is a symbol of his wealth and respectability in his community. Listen to me, y'all. He loses his oxen and his asses. Come on, that, that's enough to just die right there. You lose your oxen and your asses. Imagine a man losing all his asses. And his, the servants he cares for them. He loses all his sheep and, and his servants who cared for them. He loses his camels and the servants who, and the servants who cared for them. And on a day when all his sons and all of his daughters were in the same house feasting and frolicking, the Bible says that the four corners of the house fell in and killed all the man's children. Did you hear what I said? He lost his sheep. He lost his cattle. He lost his servants who cared for his sheep and his cattle. He lost all of his animals. Come on. And on a day when his children are all in the same house, the Bible says the four corners of the house 
felon and kill all of his children. Now you think you are suffering? Come on, come on y'all and make some comparisons with Job. And the Bible says that in all of this, come on my God, Job, Job maintained his integrity. Come on, my God. It's one thing when you got integrity. It's one thing when you made up your mind that for God I live and for God I die. It's one thing when you have done you have decided that all the appointed days of my life I will praise God. I'll praise God in the good times and praise God in the bad times. <coughs> I remember when Ramonita got them two diagnoses. Uh, I remember she got them two diagnoses, two, two diagnoses, breast cancer and uterine cancer. Within one week, y'all, one on a Thursday, one on a Tuesday, talk, talk about something that'll send you into shock, you know? And so after she got out of the little shock, I said, you gonna be all right? She said, yeah. She said, well, you know, she, she held on to one passage of scripture. Come on. It's a passage of scripture right in the book of Job, chapter 2, right around verse 10, 11. When Job's wife looked at him and he lost all that stuff, she said, why don't you just curse God and die? Job said, you speak like one of the foolish women of my God. He said, listen to me. This is the passage of scripture that we need to hold on to. Shall I only receive good at the hand of God and not evil? Come on, y'all. That's mature faith. That's when you look back over your 50-something years of life and said, I ain't never been in the hospital. Never had to have surgery. Never had to take high blood pressure medicine. Never had to have diabetes. Never had to have anything on me. She went in the hospital and the doctor said, ma'am, you are the healthiest woman that I've seen in the last 30 days. Come on, y'all. When we experience something bad in our lives, we need to have good theology and good perspective of it. Why is that? Why is that important? We got some lessons here to learn from Brother Job. Why, what are some of these lessons that we can learn? Listen to me. Bad theology produces bad psychology, which breeds the bad sociology. I'm going to break down that one point and we go home today. Bad theology produces bad psychology, which breeds bad sociology. In other words, what you believe about God, that's theology, shapes what you believe about yourself. That's psychology. And how you believe about other, how you believe others ought to be treated. That's sociology. Come on, my God. And unless those three line up together, good theology, come on, good psychology and good sociology, then when bad things happen, oh my God. Oh, oh, see, when people believe God does bad things to good people, they treat good people badly. When bad things happen to them, I, I, I want you to hear me today. When, when people believe God does bad things to good people, I wish I could take that 
taught out of the minds of most conservative Christians, my God, that somehow or the other God walks around uh, with a big stick uh, and beeps upon people. Come on, my God. That's bad theology, y'all. Oh, my God. And when you got people who believe that stuff, then they treat you badly when you are going through bad situations. Listen to me. Job's friends, he got three of them. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. They had bad theology, which, re oh my God, which resulted in bad sociology. They began to harass Job to tell them what he had done to deserve such bad things. Come on, my God. When you have friends who don't know oh my god that you are more than what you have <laughs> you got to tell them shut up and watch me hope in god when you got friends that when you are going through a tough situation you got to tell them look my god you might be you might be blaming god for giving me what i got my god but whatever i got I got a God who's going to keep me in the middle of what I'm going through. Oh my God, Eliphaz had bad theology and bad theology results in bad sociology. You treat folk bad when they are going through. Oh my God, you know how y'all church folks are. None of y'all in here but y'all's cousins, my God. When something happened, oh, you're like, come on now. I wonder what she did. I wonder what he did to cause that to happen. Who of us, who among us ever knows what you do in order to make something bad happen to you? I done done a whole lot of bad things. Oh my God, that I should not be here today. But God spared my life. Come on, my God. So why do I have any reason to believe that when somebody else go through something bad that somehow or the other it is because God has been now whooping them for something oh you got to beware of folk who poke around in your life trying to find a reason as to why oh my god you are suffering with what you're suffering tell them to shut up that's what job tell them be silent hush your mouth hush your blankety blank mouth and watch me hope in god because what you call slaying i call testing my god and my testing is for my elevation so it does not matter what i do not have what i do have is hope in god what i do have is that God can give me uh, in one moment uh, what God has taken from me my whole lifetime that God can do uh, exceedingly abundantly above that which we can ask or imagine and that eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard all that God has done for me and that's why it's worth fighting for when it gets so hard to hope in God I remember a brother my God I think they call him Jesus come on my God somewhere on the backside of Calvary they hung him high stretched him wide 
for your sins and my sins my savior died he did not do anything to deserve being crucified on a criminal as a criminal on Calvary's cross but he had hope my God that three days he was going to stay in the grave but on the third day morning he was going to get up with all power in his hand oh my God when I find it hard to hope I remember my savior I remember that on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame but solely lean On Christ, the solid rock has stand. That's where I'm going to plant my peg, Peggy. On Christ, the solid rock has stand. Come on, stand all over the church. That's enough for today.